Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Our Next Guest Is. Hello and welcome to another Our Next Guest Is. This is a conversation where we meet the country's leading speakers and entertainers in the corporate and events world, but we meet the person behind the reputation. My name is still Michael Pope and I'm here with Carson White from Leading Voice. Carson, who is our next guest? Our next guest claims to have been in every home in Australia. Hello. Yes, as a voiceover artist extraordinaire. All right. For 25 years, she has been one of the country's most in-demand speakers as she encourages us all to find the real and authentic person we are. Some feedback from her presentations include this. She delivers a message that's like a shot of vitamin B, dark chocolate and good wine and should be delivered regularly (laughs) or... She changes people's attitudes, behaviours and their lives. Well, let's see if she can change ours, Michael. Our next guest is Robin Moore. Welcome. Thank you very much, Michael and Carson. Lovely to be here. Now, I must have been out when you came into my house. Uh, What what does Carson mean when he says you've been in every house in Australia? I've been in every lounge room, every car, every bathroom maybe, if people listen to their (laughs) radios in there, Uh, as a voiceover artist. So every time I open this hole in my face, I get words to come out through that hole, out through a microphone, into your ears, eyes, minds, hearts and spirits. We need to explain. She does mean her mouth. Uh, I know you're not seeing any pictures (laughs) listening to this podcast, but she does have some weird hole in her face. Um, in case you haven't heard Robin Moore, I'll correct you. You have definitely heard Robin Moore, and it sounds like this. Got a call from Sue's our daughter. Something had destroyed her. New Tim Talmer double coat. Oh, Mr. Sheen. Oh, Mr. Sheen. I am Blinky Bill, as happy as can be. I'm never out of trouble. <laughs> So, Blinky Bill, a long-time favourite for generations now. Yes, anybody in Australia 36 years of age or younger has been babysat by me. So (laughs) the impact in a conference is just amazing when I reveal this secret. And uh, people, you know, fan themselves. Some people cry. Mm. I had a young girl uh, two days ago at a conference. They asked her at a leadership camp to introduce me. And she'd been giving the death stare to everybody who'd been speaking at this conference. And um, when she read that I was the voice of Blinky Bill, she was so overcome. Um, and then I found out that she wanted to change her name to Blinky Bill when she was four. <laughs> <laughs> and, and this is the impact you have on the younger people in Australia. So, so how does one become the voice of Blinky Bill? Well, as a voiceover artist, uh, you know, you do ads, you do documentaries, you do cartoon voices. So yeah. Yoram Gross asked mm. me to um, be Blinky uh, Bill and, and create a voice. So, mm. you know, it was sort of really easy to create a voice for Blinky Bill because I based him on my favourite child I taught when I was a, a primary school teacher and uh, so this is Blinky Bill and he's got little Scotty spirit so I think you are all extraordinary. Wonderful, now, wonderful. Can, can I, as, a, as an ex-actor, I'm intrigued. I close my eyes, I hear male, not female. What, what are you doing that gives, before you answer that, yeah. give us a female like Blinky's sister. What would she sound like? Hello, I'm Nutsy. I'm Nutsy Koala. And I just, I was so beside myself okay, sometimes. Okay, okay, so immediately she's older and more sophisticated, but female. So how do you get the male voice? 
Uh, it's look something in my spirit. Uh, it's hard to describe. <laughs> You're touching the man I, inside. I, I am touching that. Yeah, I've got a lot of testosterone. <laughs> let's face it. And uh, I just think like a boy. I'm a boy's mum. I have two amazing sons. Right. So that helps me tap into that uh, testosterone. Um, and it's that larrikin Australian sense of humour. I mean, I was brought up in the outback, so I'm I'm actually at, you know sourcing the the me, the little warrior me who yeah. used to run wild mm. in, in the outback in Queensland. Um, and all the boys. I've taught, so I access that. And uh, all cartoon voices um, for little boys are voiced by women. Right. Men find it extremely hard. Do you know it was interesting? I was listening to male uh, children's voices. Sure. A, a podcast today. Boys and girls actually, up until the puberty, when their boys' vo- voices drop, actually uh, speak at the same tone. So yes. there's no distinction between a male and female voice in uh, in children uh, right. um, until puberty. Mm. So mm. that's why. And, well, yeah. well, my true life story is that I remember answering the phone at home and people saying, "Hello, Pam, is that you?" I said, "No, I'll get Mum." <laughs> it, it's haunted me to this day. Um, you mentioned teaching there. So were you teaching in the outback when you when you graduated from college? No, no. I moved back to Tasmania and I became a teacher in Tasmania. Right. And uh, then I'd always loved wireless. I listened to the wireless when I was a kid. So I was I could see the world through my ears. Mm. And uh, I mean, you know, I love the auditory sense. And I uh, was asked to try out uh, for ABC educational programs in 1972, first year out teaching. Right. Started that and then this love affair began and I left teaching five years later. Well, you say and you left teaching but you are still teaching. Oh, yeah, yeah, never stopped being <laughs> an educator. Just so, different uh, audience. Just, just different audience and a different way mm. of teaching. So it's more life skills, life education now. But um, Blinky, that little character, has totally transformed my life because I speak to people about their power to heal with the word and with their voice and the intent behind their messages. Mm-hmm. So uh, I learned 25 years ago when I first became a national patron and volunteer for Make-A-Wish that Blinky could ring our Make-A-Wish children with life-threatening medical conditions mm. and heal them. You know, I've got letters uh, from years ago with a, a mama saying their daughter with cystic fibrosis after Blinky rang, uh, her lung function increased dramatically the next day. Wow. And the doctor said, what did you do? What did you change? I've never seen anything like Mm. this. And her mother sheepishly said... A koala rang her. <laughs> <laughs> That's you know. great. So I, I ring suicidal teenagers. You know, I was just with a group of educators recently and uh, and shared about the, the profound effect, um, you know, that Blinky has and, and we can all have when we uh, speak directly and profoundly mm. and with great intent to children. You're saying more than it's the message that's the important thing. You're, you, what I'm hearing is that it is the way you use your voice that can have such an impact on on the the world around you. Yeah, the the intent. I mean, I'm saying to all of my audiences now as a speaker, my intent today is that this is going to be a day you'll never forget as long as you live. That's a and big I, promise. And, and sometimes there's laughter and little snickers around and I go, yeah, that's pretty bold, isn't it? Now I have to deliver. <laughs> right. You know, and I, and I show them my notes and I say, look, I could have left that off and been safe and comfortable in this talk, but now I'm at risk because that's how I like to live. Mm-hmm. So I declare that outcome and say to them, now I have to deliver on that. And there's a, a lovely thing that happened to me in Ireland. I was talking to 600 Irish rural women. And there's a lovely adage in Ireland, if you want to climb over a great big wall, first throw your hat over. At least you'll be committed. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so I just, I just metaphorically yeah. threw my hat over the wall and I have to climb over the wall and get that result back now. I have to get the hat back. Yes, yes. You know, and then at the end I say, did I deliver? You know, and there was a standing and ovation I, the other I, I day from swim coaches from all around Australia, some of them, you know, training elite 
uh, Olympians and the message resonated. They got the message mm. inside. It's not talking about things. I have a, a new theme which is beyond informed to transformed. Mm. So I'm 68 now. I'm not interested in just going blah, 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 blah. Mm. I may as well stay home and garden. I love gardening, you know, <laughs> but I get on, you know, 183 flights last year Fantastic. to reach people because I care about reaching people right at their gut level, at their soul level, mm. so that they wake up in the morning and they want to contribute. They want to go to work, but not in that way. I'm going to work. Mm. It's I'm going to heal. I'm going to serve. I'm going to make a difference. I'm going to teach. I'm going to teach. So, yeah. Robin, can we take you back to that? I think that's the ANSET story. This is how you started in the world of speaking. So it's a, it's quite an interesting story. Yeah, I I'd, uh, had my own business as a voiceover artist in Sydney for 17 years. And uh, our sons were 8 and 11 and I wanted to take them back to Tassie, which is you know, that's my home state. Mm -hmm. And my husband's there from, uh, from there too. So we just make this audacious act of the will choice and just said, we're going back to Tassie and I'll uh, create my business, um, you know, keep it in Sydney and I'll just commute 49 weeks of the year to Sydney, <laughs> just two days, yeah. two days, one sleep, five days home being mum. Right. And, uh, and I'm freelance and so nobody was going to pick up my fare. And uh, so I just jumped into this audacious choice and ANSET was my carrier because they did the direct flights. And everybody was intoxicated with my journey and, and all tried to help. Mm -hmm. And one day they said, look, you, you fly with us all the time. Could you just do a talk at our training day as one of our customers and tell us uh, your experience of our service? And I said, oh, mm -hmm. God, I would love to say thank you. At the, at the end of it, everybody said, don't stop, don't stop, keep on going. So I went for 90 minutes and we were laughing and crying. And they wrote on this card and I still have the card and it just said, you should be doing this, mm -hmm. that all the other speakers came and we can't remember what they were talking about, yeah, but that well, changed our life. Right. Yeah. Fantastic. Uh, let's keep in about the, your messages from the pulpit, so to speak. Um, what's a bugger me moment? <laughs> I always say to the audience, because, because I've been doing voiceovers for 47 years, I have a unique skill with the power of the word. But I've got little tiny incremental moments, 30, 30 seconds long, mm -hmm. to actually inform and to engage and to get you to take action. So I use those skills in my talks. So every 30 to 60 seconds, there's what I call a bugger me moment <laughs> where you go... <gasps> <gasps> you right. know, and so, you know, when I get the job done, there's hundreds of bugger me's in an hour talk, a 90-minute talk, a half-day talk. Yeah. There's constant sort of bugger me moments and people are grabbing their chest and one minute they're laughing and then they're crying and then they're challenged and moved and it's like a roller coaster yeah. ride into themselves. So, so what's a what is an example of a bugger me moment? Um, let me see. Is it something that comes naturally on stage when you're actually doing it and you go, this is a bugger me moment, I'm gonna, I need to tell this story now? Or is it yeah, I plan the bugger me moments. Plan I okay. plan the bugger yeah. me moments. I mean, people say to me, oh, gosh, you know, that was really good. Um, <laughs> I know, um, just oh, you've the won them over. I've completely, you, <laughs> you know, changed my living. life. <laughs> yes. You're really good at this. And yeah. it's like, look, I know when you're 68, you're allowed to say, look, I know exactly what I'm doing. This yes. is not an accident. I've done it before. I, like, I, I know what I'm when I'm planning my, my talks, you know, I've had extensive conversations with my clients. I send out a brief sheet saying, um, what is missing the presence of which would make a 
difference. Mm. Yeah, so great. they give me the holes, the gaps, the things that are missing, and then I can plan a whole journey for their people so that, mm. you know, if they're going through a merger and everybody hates everybody else's guts, I can get them to connect again. If yeah. they never get um, that they're appreciated, I can get them to be crying in the audience going, oh, I love my job, I didn't know <laughs> Barry loved me so much, you know, and I'll read what he said from my brief sheet because one of the questions is what are you most in awe of, with, you know, with your people? What, yeah, what yeah. do you most appreciate? And then I read that back to the audience. So I plan all the journey with as many bugger me's as I can get in there. And uh, at the end, you know, people um, are a bit overwhelmed. Mm. You know, they, bit swamped some, by it. Well, some people say I've never laughed so much because there's a lot of humour, um, you know, because when people laugh, they turn up. You're mm-hmm. a human being mm-hmm. and that's why laughter is the best medicine. And if you can't laugh, I think it means that you're upset about the past and you haven't spoken or you're dreading the future mm. and you haven't spoken. Yeah. So the more I can make them laugh, in that moment when they laugh, I can go boom it opens, I can it opens wham up in that little yeah. bugger me, yeah, right. that point, right. you know, or that, that, um, the touchstone there that they'll never forget. And all the handouts um, have those bugger me moments, the quote, the tag to that joke, mm-hmm. yeah, 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 so that they, they can access it ongoingly. I'm thinking you're quite unique, not just in the, our guests on our podcast, but on the speaking stage. Everyone speaks from their life experience and they bring that to the stage. Your life, your work experience has been firstly in communication and then in short bites. And so on stage, I imagine you give a whole lot of gold nuggets in your 90 minutes, 60, whatever it is, more than many. Oh, yeah. Because you just know how to get the message across in a short bite-sized bit. That's it. Yeah. That's the skill it's and fantastic. that's what I say, thank you voiceovers, mm. you know, because that's the world in which I live. And, you know, some, some you know, you will hear an academic and they might speak for 90 minutes and there'll be one or two points there. Yeah, um, yeah. Was I'm not willing to, <laughs> to leave the gardening and my beautiful husband, you know, and my beautiful home in, in Tassie with all the views and the fresh air. For two points. Uh, for, for, for two little hits. You and know, the you koalas go read, in the tree. <laughs> you go and read a book, you know. Yeah. Um, but I'm passionate about these people um, going home and being a, a different kind of parent, you know, and going to work and serving people deliciously, you know, from the best of themselves. I had a woman in Melbourne recently. She yelled out over the balustrade as I walked down the street, I'm going home a better mother. Oh, fantastic. That's great. (laughs) So I imagine as much as you focus on the voice and the message, being in the room with Robin Moore is much more than just passively listening. Yes, yes. It's experiential. That's why it's really hard to explain. People say, I'm saying, what do you talk about? Mm. And so I don't talk about anything. I'm sharing stories from my life and I have thousands of them Mm. and I pick these beautiful little babies, these stories, and I hang them on to philosophical distinctions and take people onto a journey into themselves, right into themselves. And there'll be moments in a talk where the whole room is really quiet and I say to my client, you know, watch for that moment because Mm. that's when they're actually going right inside themselves Mm. and they're going, oh, my God, I do that, I sold. <laughs> you know, and uh, they're self-reflecting. They're self-reflecting, yeah. and my audience is always perfect. So I just talk about other people. No one in jackasses. this room. No, but you would never do that. <laughs> yeah. I say, and then they can have a great big laugh at themselves. You, you often <laughs> describe yourself as, as someone who sells people back to themselves. What yeah. do, what do what you does that mean by that? Yeah. Well, you know, we kind of we kind of are manipulated by the media. We're manipulated by Facebook and Donald Dump in America, and we just all these <laughs> circumstances tell us who we're going to be. Mm. So I take them on a journey into their own authorship because when you wake up in the morning, when you put your foot out on the floor, that's your first second 
And you get to be the author of your very being. This is an ontological conversation where you look at your your own being, the nature of being. So you can wake up in the morning and just say, I'm going to be, you know, of service. I'm speaking soon to uh, business managers from schools. Now, the bursar at my school in Hobart was loved and adored by everybody, the kids, the parents, the staff. And the principal said, how do you do what you do? Everybody loves you. And this man said, oh, it's easy. I'm just here to serve. Mm. Five words. Do, he knew who he was, who do, he was being. You do, know? do a lot of us not know our purpose? Yeah. A lot of, we don't think too deeply. My husband's a philosopher and the moment he <laughs> starts to philosophise, people go, oh, oh, God. oh that's so deep. Yeah. That is just so deep. You know. Whereas for the first time I sometimes take people into this deeper part of themselves is where they scary? get to reflect. Not in the way I do it. If yeah. I was up there and being a bit wanky. Um, it might be a bit scary. But that's where the humour comes in and yeah. so important because and be- once people laugh, they, they feel they're open, they'll open their mind to mm. what you're saying. Exactly. Yeah. And yeah. in those first five minutes, you know, the, the introduction says, you know, she's been in every home in Australia, although nobody will know who she is. I get to reveal that you know me from that ad. You know me from a comedy show that's been on air for 33 years called How Green Was My Cactus, where we send up the government, you know, and from mm. Blinky and cartoons. So once we've connected that way, then I have permission because we have a deep relationship now so I can go right into their mm. inner workings mm. their in, inner thoughts you know uh, and, and children get these philosophical notions faster than adults because they have less plaque on top of them <laughs> in fact I say to my audiences I'm not a motivational speaker please don't tell mm. people I'm one of those yeah. because you don't need one of those how do I know you turned up right you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. and I'll point to an empty chair and say that person <laughs> might have needed a yeah. motivational speaker so I'm a reminder vater I dust plaque off people I clean their pipes out so you know in, <laughs> so that's just, what I mean about the 30 second grab <laughs> yeah, <laughs> what did you say I'm a minder vater a reminder vater a reminder I just remind people of what they already know, but they forgot. You know, in, in drought-affected Australia, I've just been doing so much drought relief work. And um, it's so lovely when I talk to people about, um, you know, you can come home not tired and angry because of the drought. You can come home tired and in communication, mm-hmm. tired and loving, tired and fun dad. Mm. You know, and some people in the outback and drought haven't made love for five years because the drought has them, they don't have the drought. Mm-hmm. And when they realise that word and can actually give them their own self, so tired and, wow, back back in love, you know, mm. with the farm or tired and optimistic, tired and, and I say yeah. to the women, tired and available and everybody <laughs>, laughs and yeah. I say, yeah, well, it only takes five minutes, girls, you know, <laughs> and it's good for the prostate. <laughs> um, and you get farmers coming over swinging hands like teenagers saying, going to go home tired and sexy tonight, darling. Go. And New South Wales Agriculture wrote once, um, best drought relief ever. <laughs> <laughs> You've said a couple of times that you're 68 and you are still turning up. What are you getting from your career at the moment? You, you've told us so much about what you can give to others, but mm. what are you getting? from your appearances? Meaning. It's, it's my purpose. I, I did a, a, a wisdom course once and the exercise they gave us was in 10 words or fewer, write down your purpose for life. Mm. And I wrote down, be an irresistible invitation to participate fully in life. Mm. Fantastic. So that's nine There's a words. lot in that. You know, so that every conversation I have, and it's not just as a professional speaker, but it's, you know, buying a sandwich, 
you know, paying for some shoes, whatever, whoever I'm with, um, I, I, you know, participate, I connect, I engage, I appreciate them mm. so that I'm being an invitation to fully participate in life where you're drawing people into the, their best selves. Mm. You know, because I'm passionate about our children in Australia having parents who, who turn up. When I'm in schools, I ask kids, um, hands up if your parents come home at the end of the day tired and angry. Mm. And most of the hands go up. Mm. Your your passion for children sings so loudly. Uh, The National Communicator of the Year, you were awarded once, an ambassador for the Australia Day Council, Dragons of Breast Australia, the Australian Childhood Foundation, uh, and as you mentioned at the start, the National Patron of Make-A-Wish Australia for 25 years, uh, recently winning the International Make-A-Wish Volunteer of the Year Award. Why do you have such a strong empathy with children? Um... Ah, I was one once. (laughs) (laughs) And many of us forget that we were. (laughs) Well, you also made the decision to be a teacher, so at some point early in your career. And I'm a mum and I have, again, two beautiful sons. Just this this life and the beginning of life. I mean, I love both bits and the middle bit too. I love the beginning of life and Mm. kids. I I love working with people who are in the middle part of their life and I love working in aged care with, Mm. you know, people at the end of their life. So I just like life itself. yeah. Yeah, clearly. Yes, you you have an appreciation of all the the years. I I bet kids connect with you as a 68-year-old in a way, a a closeness that they perhaps don't do with many 68-year-olds. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so that's it's kind of a cycle refueling itself because they respond to you because of your natural appeal and beauty. It encourages you to connect back with them. Yes, yes. Yeah. I mean, it makes it's, sense? It's something that you don't even think about. It. No. It happens naturally. Yeah, I'm sure it's know. not a strategy to, you know, conquer all children. No, because I see them as just potential on legs, you know, and I mm. say to, to kids, you know, go There's home. There's a T-shirt and... in that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or a yeah, pair yeah, of pants. There we go. <laughs> Carson's got a new business. <laughs> but, you know, I say, to kids, you know, go home and, and thank your parents for getting the job done because yeah. I'm in this room with you and and the, you're, you know, extraordinary young people. Mm. You're extraordinary. Somebody got the job done. So I think it's the, the, their potential that I'm in love with, that mm. here you are all fresh and brand new. Now, don't let anything kill that off. You know, when I graduated from Hobart Teachers College, my favourite lecturer said, you'll know you're a good teacher, a good leader, if you can say, I didn't stop them. That's great. Mm. Isn't that great? Yeah. So, you know, we stop them. We, you know, a one sentence can come out of this hole in our face and we can say, oh, you'll never amount to anything, Dennis. You know, uh, who do you think you are? That won't amount to anything, that idea. We mm. can just kill people off. Whereas if we um, open up that possibility and don't put too many barriers there. Now, they need some challenges. I, you know, somebody who hasn't had any challenges is mm. a very boring kind of person. Um, Indeed. So there are not encourage... many of those around. No. <laughs> No. <laughs> so um, I encourage us to, you know, create resilience in kids by not making, you know, their life so easy that they don't have to jump any hurdles. Yeah. It's a really unique um, skill set you have to be able to talk to kids as young as five, six, seven mm. years of age right through to senior citizens. Yes. And um, yeah. so what, what do you get um, as a speaker on stage uh, differently when you're talking to the kids versus talking to an older group? So what do you get out of that experience? Um, well, the, for the children, I'm opening up that possibility. When I'm with older people and just in a couple of weeks, I have an audience that a lot of people would, would just they'd not accept this job. There's going to be people who've just been diagnosed with dementia and their carers. In the audience? In the same room. Right. Mm. Mm. Right? So my 
privilege that night is to step into the hard conversation where I can be really authentic and straight because my mum had dementia, within seven people in my family with dementia. Um, I've been a carer three times. So I understand a lot of the things that I had to learn with my sister to, to care beautifully for some of our loved ones. Mm. And I'm going to say to the people who've just been diagnosed, look at the person next to you because they've just chosen to be a promise keeper for you. They're going to care for you right till the end and thank them now Mm. because this disease is not going to improve. And it might rob you the chance later. And you won't have the chance. You know, now I've done that before with a similar audience and, yes, we cry and we're moved. I'm moved now just sharing this. Yeah. We we run away from those hard conversations, you know, and then I get to say to the the carer, um, you know, put together your loved one's life Sit down with the family, collect all the photos, grab it now, embrace this mm. beautiful life that they've had. And, and ask the questions together. now. Yes, now. Get the answers that you may want later. Yeah, so that you get that yeah. fulsome journey and we wrap it up right at the end and you've been present every single second. You know, it's just beautiful. And little kids, as I say, get that whole yeah. life journey. Mm. I was um, at a country school in Tassie and I, I always finish my talks asking the people, which empowering word are you going to be right now as you leave? People put their hands up and you get some amazing answers. But a little boy in this school put his hand up and he said, I have a word, I have a word. I said, what's your word, Lockie? And he said, life full. <laughs> and I said, oh, my God, Lockie. I said, did you just make that up? And he went, yeah. And I went, I love your word. Can mm. I steal it? I'm going to steal it and I'm going to introduce it to all of my audiences. And uh, I went home and I looked it up and it was last used in the 13th century. Wow. It's an old soul. Yeah, so mm. we don't use it anymore. Yeah. Uh, we use life less. Mm. So, um, yeah, you know, that, that people, when, you, when you're at the beginning and you, and you enliven young children and, and, and embrace that this is the start of their life and we um, leave them unencumbered so that they can just leap into their bliss. Yeah. And then in the middle bit where you're embedding all of your gifts and your talents and you're growing this beautiful middle part of your life, savour all of that. Don't be ripped off by cynicism and resignation and anger and procrastination. Mm. You know, they're the four thieves that I talk about in my presentations and the acronym is CRAP. You know, just watch out for the crap. And at the end, you know, be present Yeah. to the end. My mum said to me in the nursing home one day, oh, I knew I loved you. I just didn't know who you were. Mm. Wow. And I share that sometimes, you know, grown men come up in tears and say, I'm going back to the nursing home because I haven't visited dad for two years because he didn't recognise me. Right. You know, and I get to say love is the last thing to leave them. Go back. We have to go on, I'm afraid, Robin. Carson, I think you'd agree we could sit here and just listen. I don't care what she says. You could read the phone book and just (laughs) listen to that beautiful voice. (laughs) But the messages that are coming from you, Robin, are so deep and so uh, lasting and it's an honour and a pleasure to to hear you speak. And, gee, I've I've moved mountains to be in your keynote address audience. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much. Thank (laughs) you for your time. Robin Moore. If you would like to experience Robin Moore at your next conference or event, please visit www.robinmoore.com.au. You've been listening to Our Next Guest Is, brought to you by Carson White from Leading Voice and myself, your MC, Michael Pope. You can hear all our guests on iTunes or simply visit www.ournextguestis.com.au. But until next time, let's take a break.